0: Move from one kind of music to another. I'll need your help with this. Love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother, you, some of you know this, can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. Some things should not be separated. You can't have tortilla chips without salsa. You can't have cupcakes without icing. You can't have a follower of Jesus who doesn't seek to love God and neighbor. In writing down the gospel of Jesus Christ from his perspective, Luke will often juxtapose stories that are meant to go together. Last week... Those of you who are here heard the story of the Good Samaritan from chapter 10 of Luke. The basics are, a specialist in the law comes to Jesus. He realizes that to inherit eternal life, he must love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love his neighbor as himself. And then he presses Jesus for details. But who is my neighbor. Jesus responds with the story of really four men, one of whom gets mugged, two of whom pass him by, and then the third of that group, a foreigner, who stops to help him. And then Jesus asks the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Go and do. That's Jesus' command for action. Go and do. So immediately following this pronouncement to go and do, we slide right in from verse 37 into verse 38 to the story of Mary and Martha. My husband once explained how he was the head of his household and he took care of the major decisions. He said, I make all the decisions in our family and my wife, all the big decisions in my family and my wife makes all the little decisions. She decides where we go on vacation, whether to buy a new car, what house we are going to buy, etc. I make the big decisions like whether to admit the Eastern European nations into NATO Well, we make jokes about this, don't we? About who makes the decisions in the homes. We know who wears the pants in that house, right? As the years progress, it's more and more common, perhaps. But notice in today's scripture that Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. Now, we know from the Gospel of John that it's not just two sisters. It's a brother named Lazarus. And typically... The men were the heads of the household. So how odd is it that this is Martha's home and she welcomes Jesus into her home. She's the one in charge. Siblings, though raised in the same family and with similar parental values, have differences of interest, opinion, and understanding. Four-year-old Jack was screaming at the top of his lungs when his mother came running into the bedroom. When she did, she found that Jack, Jack's two-year-old sister, was pulling on his hair, so he was screaming. And the mother separated them, of course, first of all, and then she tried to calm Jack and help him understand the situation. She said, Honey, your little sister doesn't know that it hurts. So he was a little bit calmer, and she left the room, and then she hears Jack's little sister scream. And Jack ran out of the bedroom with a big smile and told his mom, she knows now. <laughs> so Mary, the little sibling, is sitting at the Lord's feet, the position of a disciple, while Martha is running around and doing everything to follow the rules of the day and be hospitable. To her guests. Early in her Jewish heritage is the story of Abram and Sarai welcoming unknown guests into Abram's camp and later finding out that they had entertained messengers from God. Hospitality to friend and stranger alike was a social rule, and Martha, like a typical firstborn child, was being diligent in following it the biblical text invites us to imagine that Martha is becoming more and more exhausted with her tasks. She's becoming exhausted physically, but can you sort of imagine what's going through her mind at the same time as she's throwing stuff into the pot and throwing it onto the fire and maybe slamming a door if they had one? It's It's not just the physical work. It's a lot of emotional and mental work that's that she's, uh, that she's doing too. She may be muttering to herself about Mary. She knows her place. A woman's place is in the home. A woman's place is to provide hospitality for guests, and she's not doing what she's supposed to do. It's a man's place to sit at a disi- as a disciple at Jesus' feet. I get so sick of her not doing what she's supposed to do. Now, maybe Martha hasn't already heard the story of the Good Samaritan, but that love thy neighbor stuff, she understands well. She's been on the missions committee at her synagogue. She's taken food to the homes of sick people. She's even knitted a prayer shawl. She's tired. Have you been there? We've all felt tired at times. The scene happens in various places every day. One person stays so busy and gets frustrated with what the other doesn't do. It happens with coworkers in offices. It happens with roommates in homes. It happens with siblings who are caring for aging parents. Martha can't take it anymore. Now, we're not told that she ever approaches Mary and speaks directly to the problem child. But we are told that she takes her question to Jesus. I can't help but wondering whether she, she stood by the door in the room where he was teaching and she said, Psst, Jesus, could I have a word with you? Or did she storm in and say, I got a bone to pick. But she goes to Jesus somehow, some way, and and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. Do you hear the focus on herself? Now I wonder too whether Mary heard Jesus' answer as well. But he answered Martha. Calls her name twice. It might be sort of like us calling our children by a first and middle name. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Ouch. Do you feel that pain that Martha might have felt when Jesus said that to her? For those of us who are wearied and distracted by many things, that's not the response we wanted to hear. We sort of prefer the Good Samaritan stories advice to go and do, and then go somewhere else and do something else, and then go somewhere else and do something else. It's not in the U.S. Constitution, but we act as if busyness is a constitutional amendment, that is something that we have to do. Lauren Winner is a convert from Judaism to Christianity. And she, in in her book, Mud House, Sabbath, she says that one of the things that she misses about her days as a practicing Jew is Sabbath. Even though keeping the Sabbath was difficult, it's difficult to prepare during the week for a day that you won't be cooking or using electronic items. And Sabbath, she said, could be downright boring because of all of the rules about what one can't do from sundown Friday through sundown Saturday. But this movement from going and doing in the kitchen and the laundry room and the office to sitting and listening to the Lord is one that we, as followers of Jesus, desperately need to make. Barbara Brown Taylor says, what, God can't survive with you, without you, for one day out of seven? When Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her, does Jesus mean that the stuff that we do will be taken away from us? My sister was telling me that someone they know wrote an article about how short-term mission trips are not effective. And my sister countered that it was a short-term mission trip to Hungary by her and her husband that completely changed the course of their lives and led them to being missionaries there. So, of course, I have to agree with my sister, but not always. Um this, Jesus is not saying that our gifts of time and effort on behalf of other people are worthless. He's not saying that. He's calling us to balance, and so is Luke. Remember, through the story of the Good Samaritan, he's just told us how to love our neighbors. Go and do. Our mission trip commissioning is about people who are going and doing. We have a church member, Bonnie Dillon, who's getting ready to leave the states and go and do teaching at a Christian college in Lithuania. Go and do. Jesus tells us to do that. Jesus tells us to do something else. The go and do, I get the sense, goes back to that love thy neighbor part that the lawyer was asking Jesus about in the Good Samaritan story. This is how you love your neighbor. Go and do. But the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think this sit and listen part that Mary chooses responds well to that. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Sit and listen. If we were to decide to follow Jesus' directions, to break our social rules and create a kind of Sabbath for ourselves, what would that look like? Here's some suggestions of what it might look like. It looks like, Blocking out time on our calendars, which then becomes sacred, holy, devoted to God. It looks like learning to play with each other if we happen to have forgotten. It looks like averting our eyes from the pile of laundry and the vacuum cleaner for that set time. It looks like dusting off our Bibles and reading through a gospel. It looks like silencing our cell phones and not checking our email. It looks like embracing relationships, imagination, and quiet. It takes effort to go and do, but honestly, the rules of our culture say it's easier to go and do than it is to sit and listen. A man pulled into a service station in the deep south. He walked to a soda machine, and he stared at the sign, which said $5. $5 for a soda? He said, that's incredible. The friendly serviceman said, well, it ain't really $5. The machine's broke. I put up an out-of-order sign, but people kept putting their money in anyways, and I had to get it out again. So as I put that sign up, and I hadn't had no trouble since. We keep putting our money and time and efforts into things that we want, that we think we need, and we lose our money. When the price of living without God gets too high, only then will we quit trying to buy the goods or to fill the wants and realize that in God we have what we need already. one of my questions about Martha is what did she want? And I know she wanted Mary, I mean she wanted Jesus to go to Mary and tell her to help Martha with the work. But what did she really want? Did she want to be sitting in Mary's place too? Did she want permission to sit at Jesus' feet? Go and do sit and listen. Listen. You can't have one without the other. All that going and doing is good, but there is need of only one thing, Jesus said. Between Martha-esque going and doing on one side and Mary-esque sitting and listening on the other, Jesus directs us to break the rules. Mary has chosen the one that will have more lasting consequences go and do likewise may we pray here again our prayers of confession o god Forgive us for the imbalances in our lives and guide us as we seek to balance them in better ways through the help of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.